Welcome to A Kenyan's Experience, a podcast for Kenyans by Kenyans. In this podcast, we use real, raw, and personal journeys to provide you with the knowledge and the power to demystify, simplify, and make better decisions about your academic and professional future. They say experience is the best teacher. Well, here you'll hear about the experiences of Kenyan nationals who've navigated the academic and professional worlds, both locally in Kenya and in the diaspora. This podcast is relevant for everyone at any point in their academic or career path, from high schoolers to university students to industry professionals, and even those looking to pivot later in their careers. Here at the Kenyans Experience, we ask the questions you wish you had answers to before you started your academic or professional journey, before you made that life-changing big decision. And we normalize making bold decisions for you. So tune in for a once-weekly episode that will leave you inspired, challenged, and laughing as Kenyans tell their stories here on a Kenyan's Experience. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of A Kenyan's Experience podcast. Um, today's guest is Walter, but before we introduce him and get to know a little bit about him, I am joined by my fellow co-host Dennis. Say hi to the people. Hey guys, happy to be back for another episode and happy to be chatting with Walter. Yes, guys, we're in season four. We're so excited. Um, Super excited. Yeah, it's been a long journey, a fun, interesting journey, getting to know different people. Um, So let's get into this um, episode. Hey, Walter, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So guys, Walter is one of my many cousins. One of the thousand cousins. People on the podcast know Kadoni has a massive family. It's true. So welcome to the podcast family as well. Um, So just tell us who you are, a little bit about yourself, what you're currently studying in uni and where. Hi, um, I'm Walter Courier. I'm a university student studying civil engineering at the University of Nairobi. I find it so funny. Anyone who goes to your and says the University of Nairobi, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have been trained in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we really have. <laughs> nice. So tell us about civil engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite an interesting course. Uh, I can't. Can I complete? Ah, it's tough. I never write it. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. But also, it's, I think it's really interesting. It's really about what you're passionate about, which is what mm-hmm. I found out. Like, if you're not into doing civil engineering, then it will be quite the struggle. It will be more struggle than if you are interested in it. But so far, this um, basically, if you're good at maths, which luckily I am, it's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And did you know it was always civil engineering, or did you sort of play around with other engineering courses in your mind before settling on that? So, I first started out with wanting to do farming, but I okay. was told, eh, pick a degree. So, I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
as I was picking a degree, mm-hmm. I said I don't see myself being able to do any art degree. Right. So that's how it went to engineering. So it was engineering, engineering. Just I didn't know which engineering, but just engineering. Mm-hmm. So I thought so doing either mechanical or civil because. Electrical engineering was not looking like a thing for me because eh, <laughs> during those physics classes, uh, yeah, that topic was was not was not nice. <laughs> was like, nope. uh, electrical is not for me, so it was either mechanical or civil. Then um, what happened? Um, to pick civil, I basically I didn't feel like being a mechanical engineer in Kenya would have the same opportunities as being a civil engineer so so i picked civil engineering and then i was actually gonna do both civil and mechanical until i got to about third year and i was like hey this is not (laughs) a thing to do both of them (laughs) let me just just stay with civil so yeah yeah what's the civil engineering space like over here in terms of what um, just are there many people? Is it challenging, competitive? Yes, there are many people. I mean, yeah. <laughs> when I first started out, we were about three hundred. Wow. Now wow. I think we're around two hundred people in it. I think like Snow Stable is very, um, I guess, well known. So mm-hmm. many people once they think of engineering, the first thing they think of is civil engineering. So it pushes people toward that, and then also. It's a very general thing. Well, okay, all of them that you learn at university level are very general. But like, yes, civil engineering is very general. There are many things that you can do as a civil engineer. So I think that's how the numbers are so wide. Only a third dropping out. That's quite low for an engineering course. Yes, it is. It is. And do they drop out like to do other engineering courses or drop out like entirely? Uh, drop out entirely. Yes. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay, obviously some yes move, but majority yeah. just drop out entirely. Yeah. It's not for the faint-hearted. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, most people also are pressured into doing such a course. Yeah, by uh, the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So after you go through first year, normally okay, because you don't learn too much engineering. Right. But once you get to second year, third year, that's where you start learning a lot of engineering stuff. Yeah, people start uh, not wanting to do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. And what year are you in? Uh, currently, I'm in fourth year, just finishing up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So yeah. what's, what next once you, finish, once you finish your degree? Do you have an idea of what you'd want to do next? Is it looking for a job? Is it maybe doing a master's? Uh, probably first I'll look for a job to do because okay. you know after finishing the degree you have to do like two years as an uh, interim if that's the best way I can put it as an interim mm-hmm. before you get an actual practicing license ah. so I, I want to clear that yeah it's quite the journey from uh, starting all the way up until the end I thought it was just you know like the regular three years no first of all in Kenya it's five years really? so yeah, it's five years. <laughs> Abroad is now three years if you do A-levels, but four years. Oh, yeah. And what has university been like? Are there some things you wished you knew before you applied? 
Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish people told me how, okay, at least for like the university I'm in, mm-hmm. I wish people told me how pretty much everything is on you. <laughs> if that oh, makes that. Wow. Like, there's no help if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, for you to figure, it's you to figure out things. It's not, you know, <laughs> yeah, there's not really someone that you can really um, talk to. Okay, yes, you yeah. can talk to secretaries, but. Most of the time, it's just you to actually know what to do next, where to mm-hmm. be, and yeah, everything. Like, actually, funny enough, the first day, mm-hmm. okay, the first day we have the orientation and registration and stuff, but that's okay. But, like, when the first day of like actual learning, mm-hmm. I didn't learn that first day, not because, <laughs> <laughs> not because I wasn't there, or anything, uh-huh. but. Uh-huh. Nobody said, yo, we are learning. Because it took like two weeks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was a timetable and everything, yeah? Yeah. But it was like notice board. So as I said, yeah, since I'm new, I don't know what is happening, yeah? Right. So it's chilling at, at the school and stuff. But at the whole time, the whole time, people were doing labs. And I didn't know that. Ah. I didn't know. <laughs> I, just, I just thought we were just, you know, still being oriented into the school and stuff. But no, yeah, we were, we were like, so yeah, basically the first day. That's so funny. So how did you figure out that, like, learning had actually started? Um, once the class group came out, I think, uh-huh. by, yeah, once it came out, I figured out that people had done labs and had mm. done before. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah. There's some, something, something here I missed, yes. Ah, that's so interesting it really is like night and day from high school moving into university yes it is yes it is yeah i was just thinking that because you know in uh, in high school you're Mm -hmm. sort of guided the whole way through yeah you've been told to do this do this go here go there you're just just thrown in the deep end and like (laughs) figure it out exactly yeah yeah high schools need to have like a crash course on preparing for uni and what to expect they really do, but no, I feel like also people tell you, but they don't tell you. <laughs> you <have to> say, <laughs> <laughs> like they'll tell you a lot, but how was I supposed to know that we were learning? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so someone, someone would tell us that. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> nice. So, had you considered um, any other universities apart from University of Nairobi? Uh, yes, actually, I had first applied to uh, JQuart, but mm-hmm. the distance from there to home was not looking yeah. very, um, yeah, transportable. Yeah. So, yeah, that, <laughs> that, 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 yeah that, that's actually how I ended up going to University of Nairobi. Oh, nice. Yes, yeah. Um, and do you feel like you've missed out on the, like, quote-unquote, university experience uh, by living at home? Yeah, people ask me that question and... Yeah? Yes, I have missed out, but I am very glad I have missed out at the same time. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm very introverted, so I'm glad I didn't. That is I true. Part of, yeah. <laughs> part of those, yeah, shenanigans happening. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, no, I'm, I'm quite glad, yeah. That's so interesting. I don't think a lot of people would say they're glad they missed out on it, so it's very interesting yeah. to hear that. I, I, I'm very glad. Oh, cool, cool. All right. So now we want to talk about your passion for motocross. Yes. yes. 
Um, how did you get into it? Um, and what do you like most about the sport? Uh, so I got okay. Uh, my dad used to write back in the back in the good days. Uh-huh. How they used to write across the Nairobi River when it was clear waters. Oh. Oh. So I guess <laughs> it was clear waters. That, yeah, <laughs> but also helped. Yes, it was deep fish apparently. So anyway, yeah, <laughs> that that helped. So that like I guess ignited the passion with the family thing. Uh-huh. So. I used to watch races at the track, at the local track at Jamuri. Mm-hmm. And one day he, he brought me with him. Yeah. So I went there with my bicycle, being a mm-hmm. good little kid, you know, about <laughs> six years old or so. Anyway, basically having my having the time of my life. And so there was one of the rider's parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, he noticed me. And I think they were sitting with my dad. And they were like, hey, this guy. He can actually be really good at the sport. You should try and get him going into it and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, basically like a week later, I got a bike. I got oh, kids. Wow. And that began my journey <laughs> into the sport. Nice. Wow. Yeah, that's how I that's how I entered it. What do you like most about it? Um it's a very it teaches you a lot, like discipline, thinking mm-hmm. outside mm. the box. Because it's a it's a very fast sport. I mean, you watched me racing before. Yes. So it's a very quick sport. Many things happen so quickly, so you have to yeah. be on your toes. And also, it's a very independent sport. You can't mm-hmm. be out. Once you're on the track, it's not like Formula One where your team can talk to you. No one can talk to you. Mm. Just you. Yeah. You by yourself in the rest. Mm-hmm. So you get a lot of stuff, a lot of new ways of thinking, do ways of appreciating different things. It's I think it's a very individual thing. It doesn't matter what bike you have, what who your dad is, who your mom is. It really matters what you put into it to mm-hmm. get the yeah. point. Wow. Yeah. And pretty cool. Yeah. And when did you start so, racing? Mm-hmm. I started riding when I was four years old at the back garden. Wow. Started uh-huh. riding like motocross when I was six, started racing when I was eight. Oh, wow. So it's been a long journey for you. Yes, about 19 years now. Hey, that's a whole grown up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's about a whole year. Your passion is an adult. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> so, do you. Yeah, so you talked about it teaching you discipline. Do you feel like that discipline has helped you like with other aspects of your life, like school and even now university? Yes, um, the how to be independent. So the mm-hmm. like, as I said, like even in school, basically, if you don't really don't pass, same motor mm-hmm. If you don't train, you won't be quick, you won't be fast. So it, that, that really helps. And as I said, also dealing with issues by yourself. Mm-hmm. Having to be able to you see, analyze your own problems and trying to um, fix them or come up with a solution. Mm-hmm. Do you call wow. yourself an uh, an adrenaline junkie, <laughs> having the passion for the sport and the speeds uh, and yeah? No, I, I would not. <laughs> I, I don't think I, I don't think I would do anything that's gives adrenaline apart from motocross really. I can't <laughs> nice. think of something else that I would do. Why? Because at the same time, mm-hmm. 
other than you learn that it's it is on you. Everything is on you. Like if you get hurt, it's on you. <laughs> like no one else is gonna share that pain. No one else is gonna feel that pain. It's just you by yourself. So yeah. And and have you gotten hurt before? Um, people think it's a really dangerous sport, and mm-hmm. to some extent, yes, it is. Yeah. But actually, I've only gotten one injury, which was quite a serious injury. But like a serious medical injury, apart from like bruises and stuff, mm-hmm. yeah, I've only one where I had torn my ACL and a couple of tendons yeah. and ligament in my left knee, which I had mm-hmm. surgery for. I had to do a yeah. whole reconstructive surgery on my knee. Yeah. So apart from that, really, I've not gotten any um, serious injuries. How long did it take to then get back? Uh, so, <laughs> interesting story. Now, as you said, I did it gently. <laughs> so, yeah. when I got injured, I did know I was as injured as I thought. I thought wow. it was just... Uh, a normal bruise, a normal small limp here and there for a week, and then mm-hmm. you're back. So about a month later, still on this injury, I went. I went for a race. Yeah. Mm-hmm. During that race, uh, my knee was it wasn't really in pain, but the discomfort, like I don't have to explain, but like basically, any time I was applying any pressure to my knee, mm-hmm. it felt like the joints were. Slipping apart. Where, 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 where? When that happened, that's when I was like, yeah, eh, I am injured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's when I went to hospital, and I remember mm. even the doctor was amazed. He was like, this guy should not even be able to walk. Because I was looking, yeah. I was looking, like, this guy shouldn't be able to walk. He should be in a lot of pain. He needs, like, emergency surgery. But basically, a week later, I was in the mm-hmm. being operated on, yeah, because it was so bad, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that happened, and mm-hmm. it took another about nine months, nine, 12 months to actually mm-hmm. get back onto the bike and being able to ride comfortably to some extent. And mm-hmm. then, I guess until maybe about three years ago or so, I, I wasn't like completely comfortable. Because at times, yeah. even like the weather, like on a really cold day, my knee would mm-hmm. hurt. A really hot day, my knee would hurt. So, yeah. Hiya, yeah, so that thing is real. <laughs> that thing is real, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah, yeah. I have some yeah. knee problems as well. And I normally tell people, like, I can't uh-huh. predict the weather by my knees. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it's going to yeah. rain tomorrow just because of my knees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it also really helped me, actually. I learned the importance of warming mm-hmm. up. Cause ever since I got that, that injury, I can never do anything just out of the blue. I have to warm up for quite some time and stretch. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was actually my next question. What's the preparation like um, when you're preparing for a race or preparing to go out on track? What's the process like? I like that question. So uh, also, people also assume that because we are on a machine, everything mm-hmm. happens. The machine does everything, and we just sit on it and just have fun. And you know, yeah, <laughs> which is very far from the truth. Surprisingly, it's actually one of the most demanding sports out there. 
like we achieve really really high heart rates just doing it in general mm-hmm. so for preparations we have gym work we have a lot of gym work because we need strength i mean for example my bike is 108 kilos and yes we jump with oh. them to some extent obviously physics takes care of most of the weight but we also feel that weight and also i couldn't get it that when you're accelerating forward you know in a car you get pushed back yeah into the mm-hmm. seat but on a bike there's nothing that's stopping you from going further back of now your strength your own strength that's oh. taking care of that also the faster you want to go the most the stronger you have to be mm-hmm. so you have to do a lot of gym work but also very specific gym work because you can't bulk up because we need a lot of flexibility to also have ah, yeah, yeah yeah that's true. yeah you can't really bulk because we need a lot of flexibility so our workouts are normally based also on cardio but also uh how to explain like anaerobic respiration where we don't get a chance to actually breathe properly mm-hmm. all the Yeah. yeah, most times we are, we are, we are holding on for dear life. <laughs> yes. Oh gosh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we hold on for dear life, so we don't get a chance to actually breathe for the entire race, which our time is about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So basically, every 20 minutes of just intensity the whole time, dealing with all sorts of elements and surprises. And then also we need a lot of, a lot of bike hours, a lot of training, just to get comfortable on the bike, because mm-hmm. you really have to become one with that bike. You have to know what it's going to do when this happens or that happens. Yeah. How able to deal with certain situations, which there's no other way you can get that from actually just riding. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. It, yeah. Th- just hearing you talk about um, how you train reminds me of an interview that um, Lewis Hamilton had where he said that he has to maintain like his body weight, but try and build muscle so that the the car the formula one car doesn't like overpower him he's the one who's controlling it so it just reminded me of that yes 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 yeah yeah because mm-hmm. actually even with even with bikes we also have to not necessarily maintain but mm-hmm. you have to just like wait because the suspension on it is set according to your weight so you have to be in a in a, in a car bracket where mm-hmm. yeah And not you're not going to affect it because yes and as you're practicing how do you i don't know if you can but how do you sort of prepare for what the other riders will do mm. you've talked about you know preparing for the weather and knowing being one with your bike but how do you sort of prepare for what other riders will do especially like when you're doing corners and trying mm. to overtake them uh one thing you have to mm-hmm. watch the Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to watch and analyze where they're strong at, where they're not strong at, and then yeah. also when you're out practicing, you have to record lap time. So, like even like during races, mm-hmm. it's really good if you can figure out what lap times your competitors can do. Mm-hmm. So when you're out next time practicing, you can try to be quicker than them. Normally, I like to give myself at least three to five seconds quicker than whatever the leader did or whoever was behind. We have a, a gap here. That's the best way you can plan for it, which is also part of the uh, unpredictability of the riding. Yeah. yeah. But you would get that chance to actually watch other people. <laughs> so race day comes and you're just surprised. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, you always have to believe that you're not, you're not quick. Yeah. 
Yeah, the chicken knowledge will be faster and faster and faster and faster. Yeah. How important is it to know about the bike itself? I know there's the passion for for riding and you know having fun on the bike, but how big an impact does it make when you actually know like parts of the bike? Uh, this is how fast it goes in these kinds of conditions. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's also it's really important. It's it's sort of part of the discipline, which is now maintaining the bike. Mm-hmm. You have to know what is what like what the problem could be, so you know where to look at when you're fixing the bike if it has an issue. Mm-hmm. Like if, if when you're riding and you feel like it's rough, is it your suspension? Is it your wheel bearings? What's what's happening? So you know how to um, either fix the problem or adjust your riding style to like let's say to make to make it comfortable for you during a race. Because the type of problem can happen during a race. Like I mean, my last race. I had punctures in two out of the three hits that I did. Wow. So I have to learn, that's from also experience from riding, when I have to learn how to maintain that, being able to still put in good lap times mm-hmm. without, um, without falling down. Yeah, because once you fall down, that's, it takes time for you to get up, start your bike, and then start going again. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, that's part of the riding, you have to, Put yourself in situations where you're not comfortable in, mm-hmm. so that you yeah. overcome, yeah, overcome the situation. And do you guys train at the same place where you race, or is there like a training track that you have, or that uh, is? Mm-hmm. In okay, in Kenya currently we have two tracks open for the mm-hmm. public. There's one at Jamhuri, which is like the main track, mm-hmm. and then there's also one at Vipingo. In coast, okay. mm-hmm. but yeah, m- most of the time we train at Jamhuri because it's closest to everybody. Yeah, because most people are based in Nairobi, it's quite close to everyone because most people live in Lavington or Karen, mm-hmm. so it's really close to people. So we're able to get there even on school days or weekends and have a good session out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So most times, yes, we do train on the same track, but okay. the track design is normally changed every race. So oh. yes, might be on the same ground, but mm-hmm. on the race day, um, it's it's not the same anymore. Yeah. Oh. And are you allowed to like do a test lap around the the track on the race days so that you know like how where you're going? Yes, during the race we get um a practice session okay. about three to four laps. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's when now we get to know the track, the layout, the soil mm-hmm. that's there, how much they have. Uh, dug it up because it has mm-hmm. to be dug up to a, a certain way, also mm-hmm. watered. So, yeah, that's when we get to know most of the stuff. There's still a bit of a surprise, even if you practice, yeah. you still yeah. uh, get a bit of a, a surprise during the race itself. Yeah, mm. and do they change the track per, per heat or per, per race? Even no, no, just the one day, no, just just per race, not per heat. Yeah, oh, okay, so okay, yeah. Wow. So, it's... like, something goes wrong with the the bike. Do you have a team that helps, or is it just the race as an individual? Uh, well, in professional motocross, yes, say that team, who are team mechanics and all that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, here because it's more of a hobby than an actual right profession sport. It's really you and 
your mechanic if you have one or you by yourself or, yeah <laughs> depending on who your support team is in it yes oh nice yes, yes. so other than um have you traveled actually other than kenya have you raced elsewhere i have back when i was a kid i did a race at arusha in tanzania and okay. then also um in uganda at busika and garuka where we, we normally hold races within uh kenya uganda tanzania and mm-hmm. um, which other country but okay depend on the other country sometimes they don't come then they come so mm-hmm. normally every year there are two races that we call cac it's the central africa championship okay so in april we hold it in uganda in december it's it's in kenya mm-hmm. So normally every year, yeah, we go to Uganda for a race, mm-hmm. and then December they come here. But there's also a race in August mm-hmm. that is called the Motocross of African Nations, which is held in different countries in Africa. But oh, I haven't yet nice. done that race. Actually, I was about to do that race in 2017, but mm-hmm. my knee started acting up, and yeah, I couldn't take part in that. Mm-hmm. And how how are those tracks like different to the ones in Nairobi? Soil, the soil, soil. is oh. very different. Mm-hmm. It makes a huge difference because in Uganda, depending on the track, it's normally uh like lakeside soil, sandish, mm-hmm. and like SA they have a lot of sand tracks. In Kenya, our track is mainly black cotton, which mm-hmm. when it rains is a different thing altogether mm-hmm. then, but also we are trying to recuperate it with some red soil because mm-hmm. it, it, it gets almost impossible during the rainy season mm-hmm. and then the track at Vipingo is now sand which is really nice oh yeah. it, it's so interesting to hear like about this in details because I will just come and yeah. watch and I'm like oh this is cool I ask a few questions here and there but there's a lot more to it than you yeah. think Yes, yes, there is, yeah. Do you have that one race or one track in your mind that you'd absolutely love to, to do, like even outside of Africa? One that you dream of? Uh, not, not a track in particular, but like I like to do either the European or like the American tracks once. Nice. Yeah, just even watching from the TV, they look so interesting. Yeah. Really hard. So, so interesting, yeah. Because I have a lot more... The way the track develops during the race, yeah, mm-hmm. for them it changes by so much, and I'd really like to experience that. Um, so, you've, you are and have been doing well in the sport. Congratulations. I'm always seeing articles on you, of you, yeah. on uh, interviews on the TV. Um, yeah. what, what's your long-term plan um, for the sport? Uh, so, currently... Even mm-hmm. I'm training kids and mentoring kids into the sport, slowly by slowly. Nice. Yeah, so it's like me, my dad, and my brother. We mm-hmm. have a small uh, thing that we're doing, like where we even like trying to get bikes in so we can like help people who don't know about the sport to start mm-hmm. the sport. It's, it's also a pretty unknown sport. Yeah. So many people like really don't know how do we start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also it can get expensive if you start and then your kid decides, hey, this is not for me and you've yeah. spent a couple <laughs> yeah. of thousands. Yeah. 
getting the figs in. So yeah, so actually that so we started like um hiring and renting out bikes to people to come and learn. They come, they train with us, see if they like it, and then eventually as the interest grows they can invest in their own things and mm-hmm. still continue guiding them with whatever they need and yeah, stuff like that. So that's like our long term goal. I mean, again, it's also a sport, and not everyone can survive in the sport forever. So yes, yeah. <laughs> point of time, I, I shall have to retire. So yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the yeah, that's what we're doing currently. Mm-hmm. Well, I can just imagine a parent's nightmare. Of you take your child, you spend all this money, then it's like, ah, I want to become a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it happens. Oh, it happens. It, happens. it really does happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How how has it been training and mentoring um young children? How has that experience been? That's actually a really really fascinating experience. Yeah, really, nice. Yeah, it's really interesting to see how how kids take on instructions and stuff yeah. like. Yeah, also how much like, how much they um, I don't want to say they sort of believe in you like how much they admire. Because, mm-hmm. like, I'm also a rider, so I know what they're going through, which I think also yeah. helps a lot. Because, like, yeah. when I was starting, like, okay, my dad never raced, um, he never did any races. Because mm-hmm. uh, my grandmother said, uh, bikes are dangerous. So, even, like, even, like, as he was guiding me through it and everything in the beginning, he wouldn't, he also wouldn't, like, really understand certain things that you may be going through. Mm-hmm. But like now for me, who understands everything, you know, the pain it takes, the consistency, how hard it is. Because I think most people think the machine does everything for you. The back does yeah. everything. Yeah, which is not really true. It's really nice to like be able to also like relive what what I was going through. You know, the fear yeah. of jumping, the fear of going faster, or doing what, or falling. Yeah, it's really, it's really entertaining. How did you overcome that actually when you're starting? That fear of uh, fear of crashing, the fear of jumping. Uh, yeah. How you overcome those? As time goes on, you just overcome it naturally because it it takes it takes quite quite a few a few tries. But normally, by like the fifth time of doing it, you're really okay with it. Just what I normally tell the kids like, mm-hmm. yeah, the first two three times you'll be scared of it, but. The more you do it, the more, the more you'll enjoy it, and the more you'll realize that it is not really much that's happened yet. <laughs> like, it's not as scary anymore. Yeah. yeah so that, but also, it's also to do with being comfortable with the bike. Because, obviously, not every um, jump that you do is the same. And sometimes it may be a new jump with a new track. Mm-hmm. And so, once you get confident with the bike and you know that if this happens, like if the front wheel dives down, airborne, this is what I should do. If the front wheel goes high, too high, airborne, this is what I should do. So yeah, as time goes on, you get experience and you get comfortable doing certain stuff, and it becomes easier slowly by slowly once you're really comfortable with your bike and your skills. Also, also about knowing yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. sometimes yeah, you you. It's not a good idea to do things that you've not like ever done before, because that's right. when it was most scariest. But once you get comfortable, comfortable with the bike, comfortable with your skill, you know what you can actually do and what you can't do. Mm-hmm. It becomes a lot easier. 
And I guess that's where the training comes in. Yes, yeah, that's where the training comes in. Yes. Do you ever deal with like anxious or nervous parents as you're training these kids or as they even begin racing? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always. No, I think they always be anxious, always be nervous. Okay, yeah. Even to be fair, even as a rider, you're always anxious, always nervous mm-hmm. before and stuff, yeah, about what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. Because also, I mean, um, even if you do a thing a hundred times, there's always going to be that one time you're going to fall. Yeah. <laughs> and fall. Yeah. That's just how it is. So, yes, yeah, you do a lot of parents who are anxious about it. Are they safe? Are they going to fall? Mm-hmm. But there are also a lot of parents who are on the other side of it of go faster. Go <laughs> 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 doing it. And, and yeah, that's why I don't also quite understand. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is actually happening, yes, yeah. Because sometimes, sometimes they come and then they'll see like, like okay, for for motocross, mm-hmm. uh, your age doesn't really matter, mm-hmm. but like it's more of how long you've been doing it for, yeah. Mm. So you might you might have a kid that's ten years old, but they've been riding for five years. Mm-hmm. You have a kid who's just started out, so like most of normally the ones which are bad, the ones who have old kids who are let's assume not doing as well as the younger kid, yeah. That that's when they are like go faster. How can you be beaten by so and so and they are only this old and like yes no that's not how it works. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do your parents watch your races? Yes, yes, they do. Yeah, they all the every race they all there to watch it. Yeah. Is that added pressure? <laughs> uh, not really, because my parents aren't um like too concerned with where I finish. Mm-hmm. More of us, at the end of the day, I, I come home with no broken bones, which is, I think, yeah. one of the best ways to, yeah, to handle it. So those are like, yeah, also like even like training the kids are some of the best parents to handle with. Mm-hmm. The ones who, at the end of the day, they just want the kid to be safe and have fun and that stuff. Yeah. Well, that's makes it nice. Easy. Yeah, it makes it easier. Alia, Alia, you, you said your your grandma told your dad too dangerous. What was your mom's <laughs> reaction when you said, "Actually, I'm going to start doing motocross"? Uh, um, I think because I had, cause, you know, I started riding at the back garden, yeah. Yeah. So, I think because of like seeing that, it wasn't mm-hmm. as bad. Like she got to see me doing that for like two years. Okay. Okay. Like, and then I got to train just riding normally around the track for another about two years. Mm-hmm. So by the time I started racing, it was, ah, this is okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, he's got <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. it. It was a very slow profession. But I think oh. if it happened in the sense of she was there when I was beginning, like she had just watched a race or something mm-hmm. like that, probably would have been a, a different story. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like one of our cousins, um, yeah, you know their parents refused. Oh really? <laughs> they, they, got a, they got a chance to to see me in action. Like, eh, yeah, <laughs> you are you're, you're not doing this. You're not doing. Yes, that's yeah. so funny. Do you think your little sister would ever be interested? Not that she may be allowed, but do you think she would ever <laughs> be interested in doing motocross? Now that you and your brother both do it. Uh, learning to ride, yes, mm-hmm. but I not not doing the sport. Mm. Um, yeah, because actually, when I got my injury, that that's when I, I would say that she was 
uh, old enough to remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that would be like one of her first memories. Oh, okay, so traumatized. <laughs> I guess, yeah, she, she already knows the, the other side of it. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's, that's what her first thought was, her first mm-hmm. vision was, yeah. Have you seen changes in the sport um, since you started up until now? Yes, there have been like lots of changes, mm-hmm. like even in terms of training and how people ride, even the track yeah. itself, a lot of changes. Like when I first began, it used to be the same exact track design, mm-hmm. race in and race out. Yeah. And like now, every race, the organizers try to change it up, try to give something new all, all the time. Mm-hmm. That, that, which I think like a lot of parents don't know that, like they don't know that before it was just one way, literally just yeah. a one way. Yeah, so now at least they've really tried to change a lot of of how how things are going. I mean, even like even in terms of bikes, how bikes are now compared to then, a lot has changed. Yeah, even the, the uh, our our access to getting new bikes is mm-hmm. really really yeah. now. Yeah, compared to how it was in the beginning. What about um I've seen a few girls um at races. What about the the ratio of of guys to girls? How has that changed over the years? Uh yeah, it's changed a lot. There's actually a lot more girls now that ride, mm-hmm. especially like the junior classes. Mm-hmm. I think they turn around uh, let's say fifteen, sixteen. That's mm-hmm. when now most of them will branch off to do other things right but yeah a lot a lot of girls a lot of girls nowadays yeah i think we've been like the small classes there are at least uh three girls in the pop yeah about three girls yeah in like the 50 65 85 so in total mm-hmm. maybe like nine girls yeah yeah it's actually it's really really improved oh wow that's good yeah You've talked about fifty sixty five. Can you explain to us what that is? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> my bad. So, um, in in the motocross, we race according to bike sizes and age to some extent. Mm-hmm. So we are about seven classes. So these the first class is Peewee. We call them Peewee. Mm-hmm. So, so now kids from four to six years old, they ride um, small bikes. They are fifty cc bikes. They ride those small bikes. So yeah, that's four to six, and then after that they go to fifty cc. So fifty cc is now kids from six years to nine years old. They ride now yes fifty cc bikes, really small bikes. They're sort of a different truck, a bit smaller, mm-hmm. but. So yeah, they do that. And then the 65s, which are from now 10 years old to I think about 13. Mm-hmm. Now they ride the normal truck like all, all the rest. Now the 65s have gears, but the 50 and the PVs don't. They're now automatic, fully automatic. Okay. Or it's just accelerating. You move. Mm-hmm. But now 65 is now gears and clutch going upwards. And now then they, yeah. Normally, there is a bit of a transition. Mm-hmm. Now they are just opening the accelerator and going. But now, yeah, at 65, they have to learn about clutch and gears and this. Mm-hmm. A lot of them they struggle there because they don't like it anymore. Yeah. 
it becomes a lot, a yeah. lot to do. Yeah. So yes, that's the uh, 10 to 13. Then you go to 85, 85 is 13 to 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And then after 85 is 1 to 5, which is now um, 15 to about 17 or so. Mm-hmm. And then now you go to what we call MX2. Now MX2 is 250s, which actually mm-hmm. that name is from years back. Just used to be 250 cars, but now it's called MX2. So okay. MX2 is now 17 years and over. It doesn't matter what you have done. Yeah. And then now the MX1 where I race in, mm-hmm. which is now 18 and over. And then after that, now there's a class for the old people where we call. <laughs> <laughs> veterans and masters. So veterans is thirty-five to I think about fifty, oh, wow. and then master is fifty, and I think they are still seventy-five because of yeah <laughs> health reasons. But yes, <laughs> are there actually people like over fifty who race? Yes, they are actually. Whoa. Eh? quite wow. a number. Quite a number. <laughs> yeah, like like three or four of them. Yeah, actually quite a number. Oh yeah. wow. That must it's be real funny. passion. Yes, it is. It's really new. It's really new. like 60, 65 who are raising it. It's really interesting. Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. So if you were not doing motocross, mm-hmm. do you think you'd have taken up any other sport? Um, would I? Maybe. Uh, okay, to the level that I'm doing it at, no. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a sport that I'd have done. But maybe like football, but like yeah, just fun football, not not competitive. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think I've any other sport apart from motocross. Yeah, I can't think of any other. Um, earlier you said that at some point you would need to retire. When you say at yeah. some point, do do you know? Do you have an idea of how many years that is in, or are you just taking it year by year, race by race? Uh, sort of year by year experience because also okay. like um, f- uh, we handle a lot of some bikes like mm-hmm. for other competitors like the junior ones like the one that I'm training mm-hmm. we handle bikes so I have to be there like for every race right. so it's like I might as well just race <laughs> this mm-hmm. time we from like 7 in the morning I might as well just race oh, so yeah okay. also that sort of um, contributes to me still riding Mm-hmm. But currently, I'm on. I have okay. I, I currently have about um, thirty or so trophies. Wow. So I've only said once I get to fifty, that's when I can be comfortable to to yeah to retire. Oh wow! It should, <laughs> it should be about like two <laughs> three years from now. If if things go my way, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And if not, you'll join the 65-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I would. Like, meanwhile, because normally the vets, they do, like, less minutes than us. They do yeah. about 12 minutes. We do about 20. So me and my brother, we normally say, once once we get to that age of 35, we are mm-hmm. there. <laughs> so we to go there. <laughs> it's not a magic sport. Yeah. <laughs> the happier we, we would be. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, 
I know, I know, like when you're in competitions, it's a race and everyone is against each other. But like at the end of it, do you guys like come together as a community and like what's that like? Yes, it's actually like one really big family. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like everyone knows everyone and what they're doing and all that stuff. Like yeah, like a lot of friendships come from mm-hmm. just motocross itself, as well as not really rivalry, but yes. As well as that, but it's it's really all friendly by the way. Cause it's not, yeah. it, it's more towards the other hobby because it's being done for the kids. Like mm-hmm. much like in okay, uh, even like the vet and the masters, mm-hmm. most of them who do it are parents. They're mm-hmm. doing it because they're going to be there from seven in the morning. You might as well, even you, you also enjoy what what's happening. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that happens. Yeah, so yeah, because it's really because of for the kids, it's also really family friendly. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And do you have any like pre race rituals? <laughs> uh, do I actually have? No, actually, I, do, I don't. I don't think I have okay. any. It's not that rituals. like that one song that you're like, oh, put your mind. <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> No, there's actually none. I don't have any. But people actually do have, yeah. Yeah. So, but then superstition about riding, yeah. Like, I know the people who, who don't ride, who can't perform unless they're wearing a certain kit or something. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's quite interesting. But no, I, I don't I don't have any, per se. Yeah. Such an interesting sport. It is. Wow. It is. Yeah. So much that goes into it. Yes, yeah, it is. And it's also fun to watch somebody who's yeah. seen quite a number of races. It's fun to, except when they do like the wild jumps. So you're like, <laughs> oh my goodness. But other than that, it's fun. <laughs> what do you mean wild jump? They're no wild jumps. <laughs> they, I mean, okay, maybe they're not wild to you, but like as a spectator, like you're, you guys are so high up in the air and then you come down and then people do a twist in the air and you're like, wait, okay. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> but but we we don't do it for fun, no? Yeah, I I mean I can imagine. <laughs> yes, there's a purpose behind it. Most people think it's fun, but yeah, there's actually a purpose behind it most of the time. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Are there any upcoming events or competitions that you're looking forward to participating in? Uh, actually, I'm going to. Uh, SA in a couple of weeks' time because yes. that's where we are holding the Motocross of African Nations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going for that one, which is quite quite exciting. Yeah, yeah quite exciting. to to see what what happens there. Yeah, how they how they do their things. Yeah, but after after that, I think the next race is in September in Nairobi. Okay, cool, cool. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. I think we have come to the end of this discussion. It's been very interesting. We've learned a lot about motocross. Um, actually, before we, so much, yeah. yeah, before we we close it off, if anyone is interested um, in you know in motocross, how can they reach out to you? Uh, we have a page on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's called WhipMX W I P. Which is basically okay. enabled from our names. But yeah, mm-hmm. WhipMX on Instagram, also on TikTok and Facebook. That's the best way they can reach out to us. All right. Yeah, to awesome. Us awesome. Joining and everything. 
We shall put the links on the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, in the show notes. Yes. yes. How can people reach out to you? To me, um, I'm on Instagram as Walter Kuria two three eight, which is my back number. Uh, Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even (laughs) click. Oh, bank number. You know, I had bank number. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> it's giving no, too bike. much information. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's nice. the main. Yeah, we'll, we'll... Yeah, yeah. we'll make sure we put those in the show notes as well. Yes. Yes. <coughs> we will. Awesome. This has been fun. It's been interesting. Yeah. Super, super interesting. I'm going to check out that page actually. Right yes. This. <laughs> I'm yeah. super, super intrigued. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Send people your way. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. All, all are welcome. All are welcome. Yeah. <laughs> no, most people think it's a rich man's sport. It's really not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really not. And if guys, and if guys want to watch races, if they're based in Nairobi, they come to Jamhuri. Yes, Jamhuri. Um, I'm sure most people would know. Uh, yeah. The no club, so it's closest mm-hmm. to the pool of club. Or Nairobi Chapel or the showground. Mm-hmm. Either of those will get you very close to the, the to the venue. Yes. Yeah. And how yeah. often are the races? Uh, races are every month. Mm-hmm. Not really. I can give you a, like every second week, but yeah, yeah. Well, every every month is. But literally any weekend that you go to Jamhuri, mm-hmm. you will find you'll definitely find people there, oh, and okay. you can find out from them yeah when the next race actually will be, or just mm-hmm. go and watch. Because like for practice days, it's free for the public. Okay. But yeah, rest is the only day where where you pay. But yeah, on practice days, it's free for everyone. Okay, cool. All right. And with that, I think we can come to the end of this episode. Walter, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your story with us. Yeah, no problem. We wish you all the best with your civil engineering and with your motocross. And maybe in a few years we'll have you back. You can tell us if you've gotten all those 30 tro- or 50 trophies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or what the workplace is like for you. How you're able yeah. to balance, you know, work and your passion for motocross. Yes. Yeah. And remember us when you're successful. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. Awesome. Bye. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the Kenyans Experience. If you found this episode inspiring or even helpful, then please do us a solid and share it with close friends or family or even just share it to the world. We appreciate you. Hit us up. Check out that new feature, the voice notes. Let us know what you think about this episode. We'd love to hear back from you.